What's up, fight fans? Luke Thomas here. It is Monday. I think it's the 31st of July. Yes, it is. 2017. And this is the Monday Morning Analyst here on MMAFighting.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Three parts of the podcast. As always, a review of the technical action that happened in the cage over the weekend, an examination of something in particular in the second, and a look ahead at what's coming up in the third segment. Uh, two events, one really, uh, over the weekend, UFC 214, I was there, and then, of course, uh, PFL Everett, the Professional Fighters League, had an event out in uh, Washington State. We'll talk about just a little bit about that um, before we get out of here. But um, nevertheless, let's go ahead and get into that now if we can. The UFC 214 event, this took place, of course, at the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. Uh, fun little week last week. <laughs> but nevertheless, we're here to talk about the action itself. So, this had an attendance of 16,610 for a total gate of 2.448 million. Uh, uh, they called it a sellout. That seems like a pretty good gate. You know, UFC's been having some struggles um, on TV in terms of ratings, as you've seen with the last UFC on Fox, as well as the one before that, the UFC on FS1 show, uh, the one from Scotland. But nevertheless, um, they've been doing really well at the gate this year. No one's really talked about that. So strong gate numbers for them. As you well know, in the main event, John Jones, man, Returning to action and defeating Daniel Cormier at 301 of the third round via head kick KO. Not only becoming the champion, but becoming the first person to ever stop Daniel Cormier inside the distance. Uh, what do you want to say about this performance, man? An absolutely incredible, incredible. John Jones' 14 fight win streak is ridiculous, right? Just an absolute. I mean, here's what's amazing to me. First of all, he just looked so. I mean, he looked much bigger than Daniel in the first one, but he seemed even bigger than this one, although he was, you know, lean from a muscular standpoint. Um, and then on top of that, man, you know, there's a, there was a famous uh, Washington Post article, I believe, maybe, maybe in the New York Times, I can't quite remember, but it was an article sort of saying that Michael Phelps was just naturally, athletically built for swimming, like he had all these natural advantages as a way in which his body was just sort of, you know, the, the structure it was born with. I feel like Jones is so much the same way. That reach, you know, Cormier had his moments getting inside of it, but it was still an incredible barrier for him to overcome. But it's more than just the technical gifts and that he has a good team, that he works hard, and all that's true. But I would just say on top of that, the guy's fight IQ is off the charts. He constantly makes good decisions. Constantly makes really smart decisions whenever he's in there. And, you know, I did think he was missing a little bit um, with strikes to the head. You know, he was doing that wrist grabbing and then coming over the top of the elbows. That was very successful in the first fight. Daniel got hip to it in this one. Daniel was doing a little bit better with head movement to get away from the punches. But what you saw was, as we all noticed, uh, there were a lot of knees to the body this time. From the southpaw position, John would have a nice left hook to the body. From the, uh, excuse me, from, not from the southpaw, I'm sorry, from the orthodox position, John had a good left hook to the body. From the southpaw position, he had a good a jab and a good straight to the body. So he was throwing a lot of different shots to the body. And it's funny, there's a bunch of videos out there floating around from years ago of uh, Daniel Cormier being like, you're not going to get me with a left high kick. Go back to the second round. He actually throws it in a similar circumstance. From the, um, God, I want to say, yeah, from the southpaw position, what, is it, what does he do? He throws it, and of course, uh, in the second round, Cormier got the hand up to block it, right? Um, but in the third round, you know, too little, too late. But it, it's interesting to note that he sort of knew that it was a deficiency, they knew it was a deficiency. They've been knowing it's a deficiency for, it seems like, forever now. And he did throw it in that second round. Cormier did block it, but it didn't matter in that third. It was so quick. Go back and watch it. The thing that sort of shocked me about it was how quick it was. Unbelievable how fast. And it was just properly timed, you know, properly timed. So they did all that body work um, in so many different ways. You know, and of course, it wasn't just punches to the midsection. It was teeps. It was, 
you know, again, knees, it was, I mean, a, a variety of things, and obviously a series of other kicks, you know, um, um, to the legs as well, right? There was, the stats sort of show he hit all three levels of the, of the body relatively equally. Pretty masterful performance. You know, I don't know how he's going to do against Gustafson. There's a debate about to what extent length enables him. Um, so I'd be curious to see that. I don't know if they're going to make that Brock Lesnar fight. I'd be curious to see that as well. But a pretty triumphant return. Now, there were some complaints about the commentary. I was watching at the Honda Center. There's two areas of the Honda Center you could go if you were media. One is the downstairs area. I was there until they did the last interview, which was Volkan Ozdemir. They didn't bring Lawler back until afterwards, um, after the main event was over. So after that was over, I basically went upstairs, and there was a secondary lounge, which no one was in. But the problem was there was no sound on the TV. Now, you could hear the roar of the crowd, but... Um, I didn't hear any of that, so I went back and watched. There was a little bit, I think, of charitableness towards DC's approach, and, I'll, and I think the reason why is because as good as John looked, DC made a clear amount of adjustments. As I mentioned before, much better at understanding the wrist control of John, how that enabled some of the elbows, good head movement, um, uh, not getting tied up in the clinch in certain ways. He rolled through on the takedown, right? So there was just some things he was doing better that I think you know, John probably performed roughly as good as he did last time, maybe a little bit better. And Daniel made a big leap. And so I think that's why people may have talked about him more. But however big that leap is, however much he made in adjustments, it didn't matter. Jones simply has way, way too many weapons, man. Way too many weapons. So a uh, pretty, pretty triumphant return for him. All right. Uh, in the co-main event, Tyron Woodley defeating Demi and Maya, 50-45, 49-46, and 49-46. We're going to go over the takedown defense in the second segment. It's not something I had planned to do, but then the more I watched it, I was like, damn, that was, was, really, was really good. Um, look, let me say a couple things about this fight. If you did not enjoy it from a spectator standpoint, I have no problem with that. I didn't really enjoy it from a spectator standpoint. I couldn't expect anybody else to as well. And I think you get some people who say, well, you know, how can you not appreciate greatness? I do appreciate greatness, which is why I'm devoting the second segment to just how great it was. But greatness and entertainment are two different things. And look, it's a spectator sport. And what about that old cliche, if there are four corners and they're playing basketball on one and football on the other and baseball on the other and there's a fight on that one, everyone leaves the sports to come watch the fight. If that's true, there's, that tells you there's a certain expectation for carnage. There's a certain expectation for blood and guts. Um, and I understand that. I, I don't necessarily uh, feel like it's put, it puts fighters in a fair position. But I understand why fans have the expectations that they do. If you're going to be in a spectator sport and you don't fight in a spectator-friendly way, people are going to complain about it. I think that's quite natural and frankly understandable. That being said, in defense of Tyron Woodley, his takedown defense in this fight was insane. And you might say, well, Luke, what about the fence grabs? No doubt about it. There are some fence grabs. But that's a Herb Dean issue. I really think that the, you, know, you can say, well, Tyron shouldn't grab the fence. Agreed. Herb Dean should have taken a point away. I have no problem with that. Take a point away. If that's if that's if you're going to have more than one fence grab, even one fence grab, depending if it, whether or not it's egregious, take a point away. But that being said, if you just examine what Tyron Woodley did here, from an athletic standpoint and a technical standpoint, what you're going to find is that this is a next level performance. Now you could say maybe he should have poured on more in the striking. I understand that. I, I can. I really do. But, you know, Demi and Maya goes out there and takes the back of everybody within less than a minute, and he couldn't even get close to Tyron Woodley. Why is that? Is it just because of the fence grabs? The guy had 24 attempts. So if you cut out two of those, he had 22 other attempts that went nowhere. I mean, you got to give it, you can make the criticisms with Tyron you want, and you can make the criticism of the fight generally, which, by the way, falls on both guys. But you cannot say 
that Tyron didn't do an insanely good job with the takedown defense. So if you didn't like that fight, no issue, none. MMA snobs will be like, if you didn't like it, you just don't understand MMA. You don't need to understand MMA to understand entertainment. Either it appealed to you or it didn't. 17,000 screaming fans in the, in the Honda Center can't all be wrong. right? It wasn't particularly spectator-friendly, but that doesn't mean it's not worthy of some kind of uh, other examination, and it doesn't mean Tyron Woodley didn't do amazing things in there, because he did. And we're going to spotlight those in the second segment. Uh, Cyborg defeating Tanya Evinger at 156 of the third round. Tanya Evinger's, what do you want to say, man? She looked, uh, this is not the right weight class for her. I appreciate her attempt at trying to, you know, entangle Cyborg at every chance she got, but she was just at a massive disadvantage in every capacity whatsoever. I will say, kind of impressed by Cyborg and her ability to, um, and her ability to, I mean, everything she did was borderline perfect, right? Great head move on the outside, good patience on the attack, uh, making the adjustments in the clinch when she needed to. Right, because at first she was getting kind of wrapped up a little bit, and then she was much better about controlling in that space, which is ultimately how she finished her with those knees. Um, a very technical, sound performance from Cyborg. And you're going to say, "Well, you know, she badly outmatched Tanya." Well, get ready, because that's not going to change anytime soon. You know, Megan Anderson, I have a ton of respect for, and I hope she gets some more fights before she fights Cyborg, because I do think long term there's a tremendous amount of upside. But I don't see anybody in that division right now that's going to get last much longer than Tanya. Um, so if you're upset by that, you're going to be upset for a while. Uh, Robbie Lawler defeating Don Cerrone, another incredible fight, uh, winning 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. That's how I had it. By the way, I went back and I watched the course of the Jones-Cormier fight. I had it 19-19 in real time. I would stay with that, but I could see how you could have two rounds for John. I do not think you can make a first-round case for Cormier. I don't think you can do that. But that being said, um, okay, Cerrone and Lawler, I mean... Amazing, right? First of all, how about that takedown on Donald Cerrone that he got? You know, Robbie Lawler's takedown defense is phenomenal. For him to get that is a big deal. So let me just say something. Everyone talks about his jiu-jitsu being underrated. I'd say Tyre, I would say uh, Donald Cerrone's wrestling is underrated. Very, very good job by him. Um, on top of that, what else can you say? Coming out in that first round the way he did, bludgeoning him, I thought was tactically very smart. He's a slow starter, really getting after it, fighting a bit in a phone booth there. Takes the second round off, and I think we can say comfortably he took the second round off because if you go back and there's a, someone posted a famous video, I put it on my, um, on my, on my Twitter feed, um, after the Chris Lytle fight, you can see Jeremy Horn asks him, hey, dude, why'd you take that second round off? He's like, because I just wanted to. You know? Actually, no, I think the question was, what happened in that second round? And his answer is, I just took it off. Um, and there's been some other fights where he's had some rounds where he just didn't do a whole lot, but then he comes back and he storms through. And I think that was the rightful winner. I could understand if you wanted to have a 29-28 for Cerrone, but I do think the rightful winner is him. Let me just say this, man. You know, you go back to, I mean, how about his career before UFC? Then you add in the Matt Brown fight, which was tough. Then you add in the McDonald fight, right? The, the, you know, it was an incredible contest um, for the championship. Then you add in the Hendricks Wars. Then you add in the Condit War. And he takes time off, and he comes back, and he looks this good. And by the way, a lot of times he was, you know, Cerrone was piling up the shots, and you could see Lawler looking the whole time, covering up. So I'm not sure how many of those ultimately landed. But, you know, I take my hat off to Robbie Lawler, man. That was an incredible performance. What a great comeback. I don't know if he's going to get a title shot or not. I don't know what's going to happen at welterweight now with Michael Bisping and GSP apparently back on, but there you go. Uh, let's see. And then Volkan Ozdemir defeating Jimmy Manoa just 42 seconds. What a beast Volkan Ozdemir is. I've been completely sleeping on this kid forever. 
And Anthony John, uh, yes, Anthony Johnson was backstage telling us like, you won't believe like everyone in that gym works hard, you know, but nobody works harder than Volkan Ozdemir. Period. Nobody works on his game more than anybody. No one tries to push themselves to the limits more than him. Nobody. And I think you saw a lot of evidence of that. Um, getting right to work. He his his assessment to me was he knows that when Manuel is in the clinch, he likes to wait, 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 and then explode on something. So once they tied up, he didn't want to wait at all. Get right to work. And Manuel not really addressing it gets you know lit up to the body and the head and the body and the head by that point Ozdemir has caught him and he's hurt hits him with a left hook drops him and then gets on top I just love the offensive urgency from Ozdemir I love how consistently underrated he is um, and I'm very excited to see what's next for him that was a huge huge win in the prelim card Ricardo Lamas taking on Jason Knight winning at 434 the first round this stoppage, what do you want to say about this stoppage? On the one hand, I don't. I agree it's a little late. I agree it's a little late. On the other hand, it raises this question, you can see this on my post-fight show that I did, when a fighter is on their feet and they're clearly out of it but they haven't fallen yet, referees seem to have a lot of different views on this. And the, You can go back to the Eddie Alvarez, um, Eddie Alvarez, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos fight, where Dos Anjos is out on his feet and then they stop it. I think that was Herb Dean, if I'm not mistaken. And then this one, I think it was Mike Beltran, he lets it go to the ground, and then it was a couple more shots. I think once he fell to the ground and then turtled, or just rolled to his side and covered, that should have been the end of it for sure. It went a little bit past that, so I do think it went a little bit long. But what can you say about it? Uh, Ricardo Lamas telling me ahead of time what his game plan was, you want to get the takedown, you got to go to immediately passing guard. You cannot let him get guard, and sure enough, Jason Knight was able to re-guard a little bit, even though Ricardo was at first had a takedown with the pass. But ultimately what happened was on the clinch break, he just wasn't defensively minded. Ricardo Lamas catches him and uh, and then just followed up from there. Um, apparently Jason Knight told him after the fight he had more in him. He wanted to keep going. So Jason Knight is pretty clearly a savage, but he's got some, you know, he's a blood and guts kind of fighter. And that's great when you're the one who's on the better end of it. But you can see that there are those kinds of fighters typically have defensive lapses. And, you know, look, Lamas has had losses to Holloway and Aldo and uh, Mendez. You know, I think you can say, you know, maybe we've seen the best of him, but it's clear he's still very, very competitive in that division. Uh, Aljamain Sterling defeated Henan Barrow. This might be Aljamain Sterling's best performance because the scores were 29-28, 29-27, and 30-26. I would have had it 29-28. I thought Sterling lost the first round. Um, but I could see how you can give him what, a 10-8 round as well. What do you want to say about this one? Henan Barrow, I thought, only won that first round because of the slip that essentially... Aljamain Sterling made, and if it wasn't for that, Sterling was the guy in control. Man, let me say something. You'll see in the you know we talked about the John Jones fight, the wrist control elbow over the top didn't work this time, but you can see him out there grabbing for it. We talked about Chris Weidman and wrist control from behind, driving Kelvin Gastelum to the ground to set up that head and arm triangle. That was another one. You talk about the wrist control um, and the body, you know, and the and the, not just wrist control of your opponent, but wrist control of you know yourself almost. Right? I mean, it's more hand control, but even then. Habib Nurmagomedov and Michael Johnson, Ben Askren in all his fights, right? Look how dominant wrist control is. Look how critical it is. And you saw that here. You saw him driving from the back, but of a different way. You know, Weidman and Habib Nurmagomedov, they'll ride from Turtle. So what did uh, Aljamain Sterling do? He had both hooks in. He didn't want to ride from Turtle. He wanted to actually straight up take the back and dominate it and held that. If I can keep wrist control of you, even if I lose the position, I can still at least defensively get away without being hurt or slow you down on whatever turn you make to get the recapture on some other offensive opportunity. Um, I thought that was incredible. I thought that was absolutely incredible. And um, just a really maturing performance by him. 
And Henan Burrell, you know, this fight was at 140 pounds, and it looked like the third round, he hadn't taken a beating necessarily and just looked like he had. He might be a bit shop-worn. Um, I, I think all the damage has really caught up with him. You know, he was over at Power MMA for a lot of this up in Arizona, and I'm sure they're taking good care of him up there. It's a very, very good team, but it might be a little too, little, too, little too late for him. How about this one? Brian Ortega versus Hanato Moicano, uh, winning a guillotine choke of the third round. At, at, at 259, you know, locking it up, using the body triangle thing to get an additional squeeze, not let your body hang too much, right? Get get close up on him, really kind of drive that in. Um, Hanato Moicano's a beast. He's an absolute beast. These two guys, I have so much respect for them, and I think you guys probably do too, out there slugging away, man. Really, uh, the pocket presence of Moicano, the distance management, the shot selection, all of that was really, really good. And Ortega... You know, I do think his striking is coming along. I still don't think it's his best asset, but he's got four third-round third, four third finishes now. And clearly his jiu-jitsu is such an ace in the hole, man. Um, I think I think his MMA jiu-jitsu might be some of the best in all of M in the UFC, for sure. And just the presence of mind to keep control of the head off the wizard. It was almost like a wizard. Because, you know, when Connor's trying to get behind him into the side on a body lock, he keeps it so that when he rotates into him, he rotates into the space and then locking it up and finishing it so effortlessly after that kind of battle that those guys were in. Really kind of amazing. I thought Moicano was doing the better work, to be honest. I thought he was on his way to winning that. I thought he just was much better about maintaining the fight on his range, on his terms. But, um, man, what an ace in the hole from Ortega. Tough, tough guy and an absolute wizard on the mats. And then Calvin uh, Cutter, or Qatar, or, uh, I'm not sure I probably pronounced his last name, Defeating Andre Feely, 30-27. Just a dominant performance, man. Ending the round in dominant ways, especially that first round. Third round, I guess, to an extent as well, getting up on top. Um, just a much better striker and a much better fighter overall. There was no real part of this game that I thought Feely was doing a whole lot better. Feeling doing a little bit more, you know, nouveau kind of stuff. A lot of stance switching, you know, more certainly more than uh, Catter. But it didn't matter. Uh, just a much more fundamental game from the UFC newcomer. Very, very impressed by him. So we'll see where he goes in that featherweight division. And yet more proof that at featherweight, you know, we all thought that the division had been left for dead by McGregor. Maybe for a second it was, but it's such a young and up-and-coming division. I mean, look at the, look at, I mean, Ricardo Lamas is there, but you had Ortega and Catter and, um, you know, you've got so many other guys. Uh, El Pantera is up there, and you can go on and on and on. It's a very young, talent-rich division that is getting better by the day. Uh, then on the prelim card, Alexandra Albu and Kalen Curran, 29-28 across all three cards. I could have seen the fight for Kern, but maybe not. You know, Kalen Kern has obviously gotten a lot better each fight. I really mean that. I know I say that about a lot of people who lose, but it's true. Like, this wasn't the same fighter that it always is, except that her fights keep having this situation where they're, like, overly scrappy, where she's constantly fighting out of bad positions, or, you know, she'll land a couple good shots and then get drilled with something big. And it just seems like there might be some things she can really tighten up on the defensive end, and I think her record would improve pretty dramatically. Because um, she's got a lot of real offensive skill, she's obviously quite durable, and she's obviously quite tough. But you know, and and look, Albu wore the damage worse in this one for sure. But um, but she was the one scoring the head tosses. You know, the pulling guard thing was kind of weird. But you know, she scored the head tosses, and I don't know why those keep working in women's MMA, but they do. And uh, I guess she just did the more punishing work ultimately in the in the end. 
Jared Brooks defeating Eric Shelton, split decision. 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. Very, very close. I thought Shelton did a much better job negating some of the wrestling than I thought he would. Uh, but Brooks just, I think, offensively more active. Typical flyweight fight where it's very hard for either guy to do a whole lot to the other guy. And then Drew Dober defeating Josh Berkman. KO punch, 304 in the first round. Man, I did not like what I saw from Berkman, man. Uh, and Berkman's obviously done, you know, a lot in the game. But he's been around a very long time. But I don't know, man. This one kind of worried me a little bit because one of the telltale signs that somebody might be on their way out not like because they've been hurt, like when the fight starts, so if they just don't throw a lot. If they don't throw a lot, they're kind of hesitant to throw. He just wasn't throwing a whole lot, man. And Dober was just kind of doing his own game, setting everything up, firing, 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 and then set everything up with the left, and then I think came over with the right and had him angled out, had a nice nice shot on it, came right around the back of the... Because he had a hand kind of here, maybe like here, so it came over the top of the side, cracked him, and that was all she wrote. Um, good stuff from Drew Dober, but... I'm just not sure what to say about Josh Berkman in this case. Not not a great performance from him, and a, a one that was frankly a little bit concerning. And he's had a great career. I, 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 if I were him, I would take this as a real moment to evaluate. Um, you know, I'm not telling him what to do, but I'll just say I don't know about you guys. I didn't like what I saw on that one. Uh, your fighter of the night, Ortega versus Moicano, of course, and your performance of the night, John Jones and Volkan Ozdemir. That brings us very very quickly to uh, PFL Everett. Just did not get a lot of love. Um, I'm not going to go over this hardly at all. Andre Harrison is their, is their uh, featherweight guy. Remember he made a big name off beating Lance Palmer, and he's still undefeated 17-0, defeating Stephen Rodriguez. Um, the unanimous decision. Got a bit of a finishing issue that he's got, but he's obviously very talented. Yushin Okami wins over Andre Luis Leal Lobato. Jake Shields defeated Danny Davis Jr. 30-24 on all three judges' scorecards. You don't see that very often. Bruno Santos defeating Rex Harris, Josh Copeland defeating Mike Kyle, Jared Rochalt defeating Nick Rossborough, Luis Firmino over, over Eddie Ellis, and uh, there you go. There's a couple other ones as well. Uh, Lewis Taylor taking on, or Lewis Taylor, Lewis Taylor, excuse me, defeating uh, Zach Kahn. All right, so let's do this. Let's go to the second segment. Let's take a look at the redeeming aspects of Woodley and his takedown defense against Demi Maia. Do that now. Here's what I'm not going to do. I am not going to tell you that you have to like this fight, as I mentioned before. I'm not here to plead that case. And in fact, I didn't really enjoy this fight from a spectator standpoint. It was not very pleasing to me. MMA is a spectator sport. If you don't deliver the goods from an entertainment standpoint, this is what you're going to get. So if you didn't like it, I'm not here to change your opinion about it. I'm not even here to argue about whether or not it was entertaining because I basically agree that I did not find it all that entertaining. However, whether or not it was entertaining, I think we could all agree, is not whether or not it is worthy of either examination or some other forms of praise. Right? Diego Sanchez is obviously a very entertaining fighter, but at this stage in his career, I don't know that he's putting on the best fights in his weight class. And there might be other guys who can do both. They can be both entertaining and both very, very technical. Um... And there might be some who are very technical and very boring. You can run the gambit, but you can see there's a distinction between entertaining and technically adept. And this podcast is about celebrating fighters. It's really what it's about. You know, I want to pinpoint things I see that I think really deserve some praise week in, week out. Because I feel like they, I mean, they get plenty of praise, but maybe not for reasons that um, are perfectly clarified. So if you're mad at Tyron Woodley, all right, man, I get it. And if you didn't like the fight, all right, I get it. But just hear me out on this count and this count alone. 
How is it possible that Demi and Maya can do all those things to all those other guys, all of whom, including his last opponent, Jorge Masvidal, have insane, insane level takedown defense, and Maya could do nothing to Tyron Woodley? That's sort of what I think is worthy of examination. What is he doing that these other guys could not figure out? And what you're going to see is, yes, there are some fence grabs, and those should be acknowledged, and we will acknowledge them. But if the sole focus of your critique is that there were fence grabs, it's not really a fair critique. Those deserve to be mentioned, and they will be acknowledged. That being said, there's a lot of other things that are worthy as well. And I really feel like he did two things in this fight that were, I mean, brilliant. Truly, truly brilliant. And I'll point those out here. Two things right away I want to get to. Now, you may not see him right away in this first set of slides. Some of this will be revealed over time, but there are two things he did. What do you notice first about this setup? His foot is basically against the cage. He is not, let's say, out where Maya is, right? Maya is on the two black lines. We talked about that before. Woodley is up against the fence. Now, there are takedowns that happen at almost every conceivable space on this uh, canvas and in this fight. But here's the first thing he did. He actually dared Maya to take him down against the fence. Why would he do that? Why would you say, I want to back up against the fence? Why would you say, when so many guys, including Jorge Masvidal, why would you do that uh, when Jorge Masvidal, you remember, he would sprawl and then sprawl and then turn on a dime every time? And the reason why is because if you do what Masvidal did, as a talented as he is, if you have space behind you, what ultimately ends up happening is you don't want to get trapped against the fence. You actually want to stop the takedown and then cut a corner. But when you cut that corner, Maya does the half guard sweep. Remember, he'll literally just post on one hand and then like like scissor or like dive his legs underneath yours because you've created space. Woodley realizes I can't give that away because the more entanglements you give Demi and Maya, the more they're going to have some problems. So he actually just said, screw it. He's going to have to take me down against the fence if he's going to get me down. Because I'm not going to give him that second chance that a, a lot of other guys do. Where they say, I don't want to get my back up against the fence. And then they turn a corner and then Maya sets up something else as a consequence. Maya's first shot, this is the big revelation. Maya's first shot takedown is not very good. So if you can make it mostly a Maya first shot takedown attempt. And you know stuff the second or third or make the second and third hardly hard to come by at all. It's a much easier proposition, and that's a lot of what Tyron Woodley does. The other thing he does, in accordance with that, is when he's out in space, he doesn't sprawl and then cut a corner. He sprawl, well, he sprawls, he cuts a corner at the very, very end when he's pushing away. But what he really does is he sp sprawls down and straight back. I think they learned a lesson from that Masvidal fight, that if you sprawl and then try to cut the corner on him or not get pushed back a certain direction... Uh, you're going to have problems. So they will give him a little bit of an angle, let's say, off the whizzer, right? They do put weight on him so they don't get driven straight back. But they don't cut it so heavily that they allow a secondary effort by Maya. That's really the key. you got to make it about that first effort and not much more after that. The more of those he gets, the more it becomes a problem. Now, there's more he does than just that. But the key insight for me is that he sprawls in a way to limit secondary opportunities and he put his back up against the fence. And we know he likes to put his back up against the fence generally. But it really serves his interest here because it forces this to be... Uh, he forces him to beat him in this space and doesn't 
give Maya that second half guard regarding opportunity. And the other thing I'd say about this is what you'll see is people like Maya didn't do enough on the feet. Well, Maya didn't, or sorry, uh, Woodley did not do enough on the feet. Well, Woodley didn't do enough on the feet to ultimately stop him with strikes, no. Uh, and in fact, I think you can make, make a pretty good case he could have done more there. But what he did do enough is put enough hands on Maya such that Maya shot from way outside. So by the time Woodley had his back up against the fence, by choice, he could do what, what Dominic Cruz identified, the down blocking. Where if they're going to shoot on my left leg, I'm going to drop my left hand, sometimes all the way to the mat. doesn't have to go all the way to the mat. But I'm going to drop it in anticipation of that. So by the time you try to get in on my legs, my arm is already serving as a blocking mechanism. It's called a down block. Um, so, okay. So you see, there's just a... I mean, everyone wants to make this about Tyron Woodley's this physical beast. And yes, of course he is a physical beast. I mean, you'll see some of that here too. No doubt about it, but but you really have to respect, this is what I mean when I say respecting a fighter for making super smart choices. I'm going to go against the fence, but I'm going to manage that space, so by the time you shoot, I got the down block, I have taken away your re-guarding opportunities from half guard. If we're out in space, there's a couple different things he's going to do. Yes, he'll get that wizard. Yes, what you're going to see, he's going to corkscrew his hips side to side, but he's going to sprawl in a way that you can't get that secondary opportunity, because if you can solve it once and then limp leg out, or solve it once and simply press the head away, that really limits what Maya can do, and I do think that's worthy of praise. All right, sort of a long-winded explanation there. Let's go through these slides, shall we? Here we are. You know what's going to happen here. There's the various different things he's going to use once he's against the fence. To that extent, it's very takedown dependent and based on what Maya does. Uh, the down blocking is pretty consistent, but not there every time. So let's see, let's go through this. All right, boom, tries to get that uppercut, which, by the way, serves as a bit of a down block, although you would want it for the real down block. Again, a wrestling coach might know better than me, but the way I always understood it was it's the same side as the, that leg they're shooting on. So not exactly a down block in that sense, but you see the uppercut there, and he at least is getting one arm in between, which will serve as an underhook at some point. But a true down block, as I understand it, and if I got it wrong, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com, but the way I was always shown, leg and, uh, and arm, same, same side. Same side, All right? All right. Here we go. So now he's got that one in between, which is not quite a down block at this point because he's kind of got behind the leg a little bit there, although it can be too. This is something kind of interesting. He puts his foot on the fence. I don't really know what this does other than it makes it, I think, a little harder to scoop, but it's something I noticed. Now, he lets it go. See, he puts it back down, but just something to keep in mind here. I, I, I saw that. I don't know what that was, but maybe to, to try and prevent Maya from really getting up underneath him. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what purpose that served. But anyway, he lets it go, and here he is fighting this off. So he's going to want to put weight on top of the back of that neck, back of the head if he can, uh, shove it down. Uh, you know, He's a little low here, so I don't think his hands are clasped, so he wants to prevent that, put some space. So he's going to try and, let's see, probably turn his hips a little bit. Now he's going to pull him up a little bit. No hands are getting clasped. And now you can see he's got the underhook here, right? So if you can't create a structure with your hands, where we talked about um, having closed hands before on last week's and the two weeks ago. How important is it now? You saw in the Whitaker-Romero fight, in the Wyman-Gastelum fight, and now in this fight as well. If you don't have clasped hands and you're not running on a power double on someone, you're in trouble. And also, Dominic Cruz pointed this out, you know, wrestling from your knees like this. Maya makes it work because of second and third efforts, but this is obviously never going to be ideal. It, it's a natural instinct for some to go to their knees because it feels like you might be able to get closer, you can rest for a second, but there's just not there's not there's not much effort on it, not much drive. So now he's going to start cutting a corner. You see right here, look here, see where his hips are here. Now he is going to start cutting a corner, but you got to be very careful cutting this corner. He's going to cut the corner as the same size as the underhook, right? 
and then he's gonna and he's gonna put his the head on the outside there of Maya, and he's gonna try and now now Maya switches and brings him back up, presses him into the fence here, and now he's gonna go for a single. Now this is no takedown threat, but you're at least pulling him up off of you. Hard to see what the right hand is doing here. Let's sort of keep this in mind. Now you can see for Maya, it's just hard if if Woodley is like this to get any kind of secondary effort on a hook. He's gonna try here in a second, but it's very very difficult. Right, pulls him up. Now he's going to get this hand in there because now Maya is beginning to get this. And what does he want to do? He's going to take that away and try to rotate you into that space. So what does uh, Woodley want to do? He's going to sort of give this heavy wizard here. And now he's going to get a hand. So what does Woodley do here? And you'll notice this a couple of times. He's here. Look at his, look at his positioning relative to it. He's going to come up a little bit. He's going to turn away a little bit. Then he's going to turn back in a little bit. And that enables him to get a hand where he needs to. He corkscrews. He doesn't go too far one direction or the other. He never lets himself get too far out of position. But you notice him corkscrewing side to side to create just enough space to get proper bicep control. Maybe a hand around the back. <coughs> Pardon me. Some kind of a wizard. Something. You'll see this again in open space. But he's real good about just angling side to side, side to side, and then get enough space that I can then make a bigger you know, approach or uh, escape. So Maya still is going after him here. Now, this is what Maya does well here, okay? I want to pay attention to something. I want you to pay attention to something here. He's got the bicep control. Maya's got a hand around the waist. I'm not, it's not exactly clear what this arm is doing. I think the hand is underneath here like a wizard. But this is what Maya and Woodley do well here. Now, he turns them here. You see that? He takes them back. Okay, I'll be honest. The fence saved Woodley here. Now, there's no fence grab. Um, his, actually, his hands are on the bicep, and this is kind of what I want to pay attention to. That wrist control. He never lets Maya put the hands together, or at least he breaks them at the end here. Now, you can say, well, Luke, didn't he just run him into the fence? Yes, but that's part of the benefit. If you're really good at defending the takedown against the fence, you can allow some things like this. I mean, you never really want to get to this point where you know you would have gone down had the fence not been there, but there are certain things you can play with in spaces like this. So this, to me, is actually his best takedown attempt from Demi and Maya, was locking this up around the waist and on the inside, now Woodley go, go, you know, wedges in between, and the fence saves him here a little bit. But because he has this, he's now able to stand up, prevent the locking mechanism. So he's sort of hooking behind him as if you were lifting weights to make your forearm stronger behind you, right? And then he's going to use this head in the chest here. Good job by Maya actually trying to finish this. And what he's going to do is he's going to step out. He's going to sink his hips way back, holding on to this. So that now, where is Maya's weight coming? Maya's weight was sort of up here in this space. As he turns and sits out, it drops. Really, really good job by um, uh, Woodley there. Got a little bit lucky with that in terms of where he was headed, but nevertheless kept himself in a good space by having that kind of control over the wrist. Wrist control is everything. We, wrist control, I cannot be clear about it. Wrist control is so important. Then, of course, he walks away. All right. We're still, by the way, one minute into this thing. Here we are. Nice little Mayweather-McGregor ad there. Okay, Southpaw versus Orthodox, yes? He throws a punch. Woodley tries to counter over the top, comes up a little short, right? But you can see what is Maya trying to do, gauge the distance. Here he did a better job of that. You'll see later on, he gets so spooked by the striking of Woodley that he never gets that close again. Remember, for a proper double, you want to be able to reach out and touch them. If they're not in within fingertip distance, you're probably too far away, which is why punching is a pretty good gauge of that for the most part. Right? And then he throws the left hook, and Maya comes under the left hook. All right, 
So let's see what happens. Boom, runs him back into the fence. Not some great, not not a lot of great angles on the camera work here. What does Woodley immediately do? First of all, he's got the down block on this one, number one. So what does he do? He uses that into an underhook wrench and then cuts the corner that way. Doesn't cut the corner so far, right? He doesn't come around to the Harley-Davidson mat. Just enough to create a bit of an angle to get his hips back and away and pull him up and off of him and then try and step while this hand controls the bicep or the inside spacer so he can't get around it. Look how spaced out the arms are of Maya. I mean, for a good takedown, not only do you want your hands together, you want your elbows by your ribs. I mean, now look at that. Are his elbows close to his ribs? Not really. All right? And then he just sort of shucks him off here and steps away. But this is the key. This is the key to this. He cut the angle. This is where Maya wants to now reset and get it again. And the big mistake that Masvidal made was he stopped this because he didn't want to, I mean, he didn't want to be on the fence at all. So he would cut almost all the way around. That would enable this bottom leg of Maya to catch him. Woodley gets his hips back and away off the angle change. And that makes a world of difference, a complete world of difference. So then we are here again. Still a minute in, man. Can you think about that? I mean, it's crazy, right? There you go. He's going to go for him again. And, he, and and Maya's trying to greet him with this right hand every time. Boom. Uh, left hand, it looks like on the shoulder, right hand, what does he do? Immediately, excuse me, left hand, immediately catches the wrist. Immediately. What's he going to do with that? He's going to let, well, I guess Maya does a pretty good job of trapping him here. So he's got what it looks like, sort of an, it looks like a down block. Well, I mean, not, it wouldn't be a down block because it's different on a takedown. You know, it has to be right at that moment but rather than just putting an arm there. But he has an arm in the way, and he's capturing this, preventing proper wrist control, yeah? So here he is. He's going to try and scoop this. Now, this is the one that's the no-no, right? He's going to scoop this, and why is he going to scoop this? He's going to try and take him that way every time. And you can do it if you don't have your hands clasped. It's possible. It's just really, really difficult. So finally, uh, Woodley raises his leg and pulls it out and gets it behind him. Maya's still all over him, though, and you can see him. What's my, what's Woodley doing? He's the one who's got the red tape here. He's not quite wrist control, but sort of inside bicep control. That's still something, right? And then what is what, what do you see Maya doing here? Or excuse me, Woodley doing all the time, right? Hips facing kind of this way. Still there, a little bit higher, a little bit higher, comes up, almost goes square, goes back to the side, and then turns the corner on him because he realizes... Once he's here, he has this broken, and he has this broken, and their space in the leg comes down. He has enough space to turn while keeping control of that wrist. Get his hips back and away, right? And then he, Maya's still kind of on him, still controlling this wrist. I want to point out something here. Look at him still controlling this wrist. Folks, let me tell you something. This is super technical, okay? It, it's very, very hard to know how to control that and what spaces and how to do a proper thing. Let me just also say this. Tyron Woodley is Hercules. I mean, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it takes ridiculous grip strength to do something like this. Yes, it's technical. It's not merely a function of strong hands, but it's a function of having strong grip and technically knowing where to go. It's just, re I mean, I'm telling you, if you get a good athlete and they train hard and they're technical and they're smart, they can go far. They can go very, very far. It's hard to control them through this long a sequence. Yes, Maya is wrestling on his knees, but just to hold that in space over time, very, very strong. Very, very technical. Okay? And he's still got it here. What's he doing there? Kind of behind him again. So that behind the back wrist curl. Yeah? Now Maya's trying to get shoulder in on him. Right? Still not letting him have it. 
right? So Maya's like, what if I collapse the space? Would that make it easier to get my hips and my elbows together and come underneath? Woodley just won't let him have it. Still has that hand, the, the right hand underneath preventing it, right? And then turns the corner because what's behind him? If he can pull this up and get enough of a drag to that side, he can just turn the corner because there's nothing holding him in space. And remember, look, he still holds the hands and he didn't over-rotate. He rotated just enough to set the angle and then separates. Right? Let's watch it again. A, a different one. Here we go. Maya still coming after him. Now look at this one. Does that look like he is in sh striking distance to you? I mean, you might say kicking distance, but not punching. And that's all the one that matters for the shot. So he shoots from way outside already. Boom. There's your down block. Same leg. Usually want to get the leg back, but nevertheless, he's getting a hand on there. And again, the down block can go all the way to the mat, right? I mean, that's commonly how it's taught, but it doesn't necessarily have to be all the way to the mat. Almost like a knee pound on a shot. You don't have to go to your knee on a shot, but, you know, you can for a knee pound. Boom. Now he's going to pull him up. Myers just wants that one leg. Look at the weight. Look at look at it. Elbow to, ri to ribs to hip. How strong do you think Woodley is in this position, right? Arms away, weak. Arms at your ribs, strong. And he's got it underneath the takedown. He's putting his weight on the back of the head of of uh, Maya here. But, you know, Maya's strong as shit, too. And he's got this leg. So let's see what happens here. All right. This is where I think the no. Actually, I said the no-no comes in earlier. I think it's on this one. So now, this hand that's underneath the chin, he's going to try and pull him up here. Uh, while, he, while he maybe, you know, stomp this out or get to the outside or limp leg and turn. Right? He's going to, now, so what does Maya want to do? Maya wants to pull him away from the fence and then run the pipe here. That's what he would like to do. But you can see this hand grabs that fence. And from there, it was a bit of a problem. Okay, I'll admit, you know, it should have been, he got warned for it. If you want to say he should have been docked a point for it, that's fine. It's not clear to me this would have obviously worked. Maybe it would have, maybe it wouldn't have. People are like, oh, he definitely would have gone down. I'm not saying it's not true. I just don't know. But fair enough, this was a pretty nice attempt here. But he did have... You know, it wasn't like Woodley had no defenses here. But the fence grab is egregious. I agree. If y'all want to dock a point, dock a point, you know. Okay. But then he begins to get his hand free and then separate the other hands of Maya and then limps leg and pushes him away. So from there, he's able to stop it pretty quickly. But I agree. The fence grab is not a good look. All right. Still in that first round. Here he is again. Look how far outside he is. He's going to come in here. Right hand. Now he used to, He likes to duck under the left, typically. But when he tries... There he is. Boom. Stopping it right away. Gets the hand right in front. He's going on that side leg, so I would consider this a bit of a down block because the hand could touch here. Something like that. Right? And he's daring him to come into him as his back is against the fence. What is he going to do? He goes to the other side. This is what Habib does. People shoot in on, if they're shooting on this leg, get the underhook on the other side arm and rip them off that way and then turn. See that? He went to this leg, so get the underhook on the opposite side arm and then force them over, but you have to move your feet and body too. You can't just rotate them over. It's a full body effort. You can see where is he, right? They're very, they're, you know, asses in this guy's face. That's probably why he's not too, not too happy, All right? And so what does he do? He turns over, and now look how much closer he is to the stanchion. So keep in mind, it's not just about getting unhooked and pulling over. Your whole body has to get involved here. And what is Maya doing? Wrestling again on his knees. Maya wrestling on his knees is almost never going to beat Woodley wrestling on his feet, right? And then he's going to get away. Uh, Maya drops to the ankle knowing he's lost that battle up top and he almost gets it and you can see him putting all that weight behind the back of the space if, they, if he had shoes on man it would have been a completely different story but he doesn't he gets to his hands and he walks and he, they separate let's see if there's any more here in this first round yeah there's a couple more here 
I'm only going to show you the first and the last round because that's where the majority of the takedown attempts take place. All right, here we are now in open space. Here's where it gets a little bit different. All the ones we've seen have been against the cage. Let's watch open space here. Boom. He comes in. Hand is already down. Look how far away he is, man. If he just stuck his arm out, could he reach Tyron? Nope. Look how far away he's shooting. Bop. Comes right underneath. But Tyron's ready for it. Has that underneath. Now watch how Tyron sprawls here. And look at the strength of this sprawl. Jesus Christ. Boom. Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is a re ridiculous sprawl that is a ridiculous sprawl look at how his spine is ramrod straight shocking shocking level of strength to be able to do that his hips must be insanely strong okay and what is he doing he's putting a hand up here it looks like he's raising the head up of uh demi and maya and he's going to use this also as a bit of a cross face to get his hips back like that. But look at what he does. Remember what I told you before? Here comes Maya on the takedown. Watch this sprawl. Yak! Right? Driving his hips down. Bringing his chest up. Bringing this wrench up as well. But he doesn't cut the corner. Because if you can stop on the first effort, what happens to Maya? There is no second effort, right? He doesn't have a reshot. You know, a lot of times on a down block, there are, there are reshots off a down block. There are reshots off of a shot. He has none. He gets cross-faced out, Maya gets his, or Whitley gets his hips back, and away. Then he cuts a bit of an angle away. But at this point, you couldn't shoot your legs underneath. It wouldn't matter. This is what I mean when I say tactically. Like, how much of that is strength? Of course. But that's good timing, because it's good recognition. But it's also smart tactics. Smart tactics. Not giving Maya the second and third and fourth effort in free space. A lot of guys make that mistake. All right. Now, with that being said, that's the first round. There are, of course, a bunch of rounds in between. I'm not going to make you look at those. But the rounds that had the most takedowns were the first and the fifth. You just saw the first. Let's take a quick look at the fifth. We're not even going to look at all of those ones, but I just want to see if you can see some patterns that keep emerging. Let's take a look at that now. All right, and here's the fifth round. Let's see what happens here. Where are they? Open space. So what does that mean? You're looking for a hard sprawl on the spot without cutting the corner and then Two hands on the separation, probably. So let's see. Here he is. Coming up underneath the left hook. Let's see if he dives in on this on this leg. I can't remember. Goes for a double here. I would not call this a great penetration step. You know, when you're like you, this knee is down and this one is straight up like that. Like you can't how look look at look at Maya's posture. Head is being bent already. Back is curved. How are you gonna drive through on someone? It's just not it's just not a great shot from Maya to begin with. What does Woodley do? Now, here's where Woodley doesn't go like the time you just saw. Remember you saw him corkscrew against the fence? Watch this. That's what he does here, too, just to make sure because he didn't get this in front of the arm. Maybe he didn't get the uh, left, the right arm in front either, so Woodley is, you know, having his hips threatened. So what does he do? He turns to one corner. Now he's got that whizzer. Hand's going to go underneath the chin and raise him, and he's going to turn the other way. He's going to corkscrew. He's going to drive. Now, it looks like what he's doing is he's going to drive the head down underneath. Now, where is Maya? Wrestling on his knees. He's broken that chain. Here he's on his feet. See that? A little bit on his feet. But now he's driven him down. And what have you noticed? The hips are already back. Right? He's putting his ass out. He is putting the hips back and down. And what does he do? Comes back in to get a wedge. Right? Because what's happening here, he doesn't want to get sucked to a corner. 
So he comes in straight to reset the angle, right? Doesn't want Maya to come around this way. So he drives weight back in. Whoop. Now Maya can't reset the angle. Plus now he gets to drive a wedge down. And let's see what he does. Maya still trying to reset the angle. Woodley still coming up. Still corkscrew. Look, look at Maya. Look, just watch Woodley's hips here. Watch Woodley's hips. One. Boom. 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 Constantly changing directions. Right? I mean, it's just, it's like, I'll do it kind of fast here. Just watch Woodley's hips. Constantly in motion. Constantly in motion. Always changing the angle, driving Maya to where he can't go to get something new. Turning to separate here. Woodley gets, because he gets a foot up. Woodley's going to try and press him out because Woodley's having a hard time. Looks like he's having a hard time with underhooks. Trying to get the underhooks. So he's squirming his hips side to side. To give himself some space. I, mean, I guess he had a chance here and couldn't do it. Missed on it, right? He's got no underhooks. Drives his weight back. Drives it re-forward, right? To, so he can't reset the angle on him. Turns it. Turns it again the other direction. Now he can push on the head. And now he can grab the wrist. And that's when he begins to separate. Just like that. Now Maya's going to chase him into it. He's going to keep a hold of this foot. But I just want to go back to that sequence one more time. One more time. I swear to God, it was the last one we'll do on this one. But I just think this is one of the most impressive takedown attempts I've ever seen from, from Tyron Woodley. Just look at his hips. His hips are facing here, this direction, right between these two monster 7-Eleven logos. Now it's turned and facing past the Budweiser logo. Now it's turning and facing mm, kind of this direction. Now it's turning, still facing that way, but the weight is now driving into it, right? As before, it was backing out. Now it's turning back this direction. Now it's turning back that direction, and by that time, you've got control of the head and the arm, and you can limp leg. Ladies and gentlemen, that is amazing. That is amazing. Is that aided by his physical skills, because he's so strong and so quick and so agile? Yes, of course. Like, athleticism obviously helps you here. But I just want to point out, that is fundamental technical wrestling. Very, very, very good. Really high-level stuff here from Tyron Woodley. All right, and he tries to limp leg out, can't quite get it. Demi Maya chases him back, and at this point, he I think he, I can't remember if he punched here, but you can see he's got bicep control. He's got a one hand sort of blocking in between, right? And then he goes with that underhook on that side, doesn't let himself get pressed, and just kind of yanks Maya off to the side and throws him over, all right? So he did, sort of does it in like rotation. He gets driven back and then rotates around, yeah? All right, here we are again. Let's see what happens. This time should look a little different because of where Woodley is. Boom. Woodley fires the left. Let's see what Maya does. Maya's a little bit closer this time. Still too far away. Boom. Comes underneath. Where is that hand? There's that down block. Yeah. Down block would also bring the leg back, but you get the idea. Right? Brings it down. Just like that. And there it is. That's what I'm talking about. So, yes, he's in on this leg, but already where is Woodley doing? Driving weight on the head, turning his hips outward, not letting this other leg get trapped. Let's see what he does here. All right? He pushes down on the head super far because Maya has gotten so low. Look at Maya's position here. Is this a position you think you could do a lot of damage from? Like in terms of just leaping into someone? Is this a very athletic position? It's not. Woodley has pressed him down with his right hand. Now Woodley makes the switch to his left hand. See that? That's the switch you need to make in order to limp leg out. Just like that. Pretty, pretty nifty stuff. Very technical, very quick. And also notice something. If he can't free himself from Woodley, or excuse me, from Maya right away, like on some of these takedowns, he's stuffing them fast and getting out. If he can't, 
he's changing positions constantly to uh, you know make it hard for Maya to do a whole lot. All right, and then he gets out and watch this. He actually just pushes him away, and Maya goes flying. <laughs> Tyron Woodley must be super strong. Okay, yeah, we don't. Have, we, there's not many of these left. I'm not going to show you all of them from this round, but you're gonna you're getting the idea. Now where is he? Foot close to the fence. What's this mean? He's probably gonna let himself get pressed so he doesn't have to worry about the angle. He's gonna step out, big long step, kind of surprising there. All right here comes Woodley or Maya rather underneath. I keep getting her names mixed up. He comes underneath, hand is on the same side of the leg, preventing him. Boom, getting that back. Look, yes, I know you know Maya is very, very good on these single leg attempts, but here you have Woodley, weight down on top. You got the blocking mechanism, legs going to be ready to go back. Let's see what he does here. Two slides are the same one. Maya lets it go, probably because he could just never get it classed. Hand on the head, right? And what, what, what's he going to do with it? He's going to put two hands on the head and then get away. Two hands so he can't get away. Look. Just enough space, hips back, so you can't regard. No regard, no regarding available there. Right? Let's take maybe one or two more of these. Here it comes. Now here's a little bit closer, but he's against the fence. Let's see what happens. Boom! Comes underneath. Look at that. He's shooting on that left leg. Down block comes in. What's the, what's the what's the uh, uh, other side leg going to do? Remember, if you're going for the right leg, excuse me. If you're going for the left leg, dig that right underhook. Prevent them from hand clasping. Yank up the underhook turn your body out and step out to the side which is exactly what he does here as you saw before and then dig, digs underneath he actually what he does is he kind of does like, almost like a it's not a slide by or a duck under exactly I mean that would be you know an offensive thing but uh he pulls him up here and then gets his arm underneath it and then throws him by ladies and gentlemen let me just say something I, I said it before and I'll say it again if you didn't enjoy the fight fine if you are uh, angry at Tyron Woodley because you spent a bunch of money and you didn't get your money's worth from an entertainment standpoint, I actually understand what you're talking about. Don't let MMA snobs tell you otherwise. But here's what you cannot say. You cannot say that Tyron Woodley's takedown defense in this fight was anything short of masterful. From an athletic standpoint, he brought that to bear. From a tactical standpoint, he brought that to bear. From a strategic standpoint, because they're different, he brought them to bear. He brought everything he needed to do to bear and Demi and Maya had 24 chances to get him down and failed on every one and you might say well Luke what about the fence grab okay fence grab is not great but that's a Herb Dean issue that's a Herb Dean issue he should have taken a point I'd be okay with it but even then what can you say about everything you just saw which by the way is a sample I think I only showed you maybe 10 or 11 or 12 takedown attempts there was at least more, double this amount in the total of the fight Incredible job by Tyron Woodley, bringing his talents to bear, game planning correctly for Demi and Maya, not letting Maya get the second and third attempts, whether he was out in space or whether he was up against the fence, through wrist control, through through proper limp legging, through proper sprawling, through proper down blocking, absolutely world-class performance in that sense from Tyron Woodley. Last but not least, we take a look at what's coming up in the week ahead. UFC Fight Night Pettis versus Moreno. UFC Fight Night 114-114. This takes place on August 5th, my birthday, at the uh, Arena Ciudad de Mexico, uh, Mexico City, Mexico, Mexico. Uh, this will air on Fight, excuse me, Fox Sports 1. In your main event, boy, this should be a great one, huh? Sergio Pettis taking on Brandon Moreno. Uh, in the co-main event, Random Marcos is back against Alexa Grasso. Then Alan Joban returns against Nico Price. 
uh, Martin Bravo versus Umberto Bandene, Sam Alvey versus Rashad Evans, and something of a do-or-die fight for him. And then Alejandro Perez taking on Andre, uh, I keep getting this guy's last name wrong, Andre Sukmentat. Uh, in the preliminary card, which is also on Fox Sports 1, Brad Scott takes on Jack Hermanson, Dustin Ortiz versus Hector Sandoval, Henry Briones versus Hani Yaya, and then Jose Alberto Quinones taking on Diego Rivas. And then lastly, in your preliminary card, which is on Fight Pass, Joseph Morales versus Roberto Sanchez, and then Alvaro Herrera taking on Jordan Rinaldi. So there you go. Uh, enjoy that action. I'll have a Monday morning analyst up for that as well. Thank you guys so much for watching. Please like the video. Subscribe to MMA Fighting below. I always appreciate it when you do. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the fights.